It's December 1915, inside the chambers of the San Diego City Council. The council has a problem. It's been a dry year, a dry few years, really. The Morena Reservoir, which provides water to the city, is getting lower and lower. And it's down to just one-third full. Everyone in the room is anxious because they really need this water. They need it for the obvious reasons, but there's also a big opportunity in front of them. The Panama Canal has just opened, and it could bring lots of new tourism and business to this little port city on the Pacific. They're even throwing a big World's Fair-like exhibition to welcome the world. But if there's no rain, then rivers of money will dry up before their very eyes. So the council is desperate. And as they're all nervously debating what to do, in walks a man named Charles Hatfield. He's thin and sharply dressed. His thick blonde hair is slicked back with oil, and he's got a bit of a dour expression on his face, small wrinkles around his mouth. He looks like a very serious man. And Charles Hatfield tells the city council something fantastic. Give me one year and the reasonable sum of just $10,000, and I will give you all the rain you could ever want. I'm Dylan Thuris, and this is Atlas Obscura, a celebration of the world's strange, incredible, and wondrous places. And today, we meet Charles Hatfield, professional rainmaker, or the term he preferred, moisture accelerator. Does Hatfield make it rain? He would certainly like you to think so. But make no mistake, it does rain. And rain. And rain. That story, after this. If you're looking for a place where the wide open skies and the towering mountains inspire you to find an untapped part of yourself. You might want to take a trip to Wyoming. It's a place where bold, curious spirits forge their own way on all types of adventures. There is no shortage of iconic, expansive landscapes out there. You can discover breathtaking hikes, stunning state parks, authentic Western culture, and other historic sites— along with the tales of famous outlaws like Butch Cassidy and pioneers like Buffalo Bill Cody. The truth lies west. Discover yours at TravelWyoming.com. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. It's January 1916, just about 60 miles east of downtown San Diego, right near the Morena Reservoir. And Charles Hatfield is building a tower. It's 20 feet tall with rickety wooden legs and a wide eight-foot platform on top. The tower is the delivery method for Charles Hadfield's special rainmaking formula. 
He's got an agreement with the city. One full reservoir in exchange for 10 grand, close to $300,000 in today's money. Sure, one holdout on the city council said the whole thing was rank foolishness. What does he know? So on top of that platform, in wide, shallow, galvanized steel pans, Charles Hatfield puts out his special recipe, proprietary recipe of 23 different chemicals or like Colonel Sanders, 11 herbs and spices, I, I guess. This is historian Chris Klein. But he is out in the woods and, you know, curious people would come by. They'd see him setting these chemicals on fire with these vapors rising up into the sky. And he gets to work out there in, in the woods outside San Diego. Hatfield was born in 1875 to a family of Quakers from Kansas, and he spent his childhood in Southern California. Hatfield's first job was as a sewing machine salesman. But then, on the side, he began experimenting with a little rainmaking. Hatfield picked up some small local jobs here and there, but he really made a name for himself in 1905 when he promised the drought-stricken city of Los Angeles 18 inches of rain in just five months. Lo and behold, the rain comes, he gets his payment, and he becomes a bit of a celebrity in California for this. As wild as it might seem, Charles Hadfield was not the only person going around doing this. Remember, this is the West. Rain and water have always been a concern. And in fact, starting in the mid-1800s, there was this whole cottage industry, or pseudo-scientific con job, call it what you will, around people claiming to be able to control the weather. So there's a couple different ways of pluviculture theory that sort of come and go. Yes, there is a name for it. Pluviculture. The first is promoted by a man named James S.B., who is one of America's really first meteorologists. And he has this theory that he would be able to generate rain by releasing large amounts of heat into the atmosphere. SB sets a bunch of fires in Appalachia, but it doesn't really get anywhere. Then people said, you know, it always seems to rain after big battles. Maybe what causes the rain is the noise. To test this out, the U.S. government hires a guy named Robert Dyronforth and sends him out to West Texas. Pretty much, it was like the federal government going to war with the sky. So Dyronforth sets up three battle lines, and he's placing like 60 mortar guns out on the prairie. He's stuffing dynamite into prairie dog holes. That was another failure. But Charles Hatfield, he's more about the chemicals. That secret recipe at the top of the towers. They evaporate into the air, interact with the atmosphere, and boom, rain. Hatfield bristled when people called him a rainmaker. He famously said, It is simply a matter of working with the natural elements. There are times when the clouds need tickling. If one knows how to tease or coax them a trifle, the results are often pleasing. So in 1915, outside of San Diego, Hatfield builds his tower. He sets out his chemicals, and he lights him up. The curious crowd gathers to take in the sight and the smell. One person described it as if a Limburger cheese factory had broken loose. Another said, the gases smell so bad it rains in self-defense. And then 
Hatfield sits back, away from the smell, and waits for the rain to come. And within days, it starts to drizzle right after the start of the new year. And then a few days later, there's rain. So everything's going great, going according to plan. As the first droplets appear, the city is jubilant. Hatfield had promised to bring rain within a year, and it had only taken a few weeks. What a hero. He's so successful that the mayor of San Diego starts to get nervous. Like, yikes, we're, we're actually going to have to pay this guy. He hints to the L.A. Times that the surrounding towns that may benefit from all this rain should have to kick in a little cash towards Hatfield's $10,000 fee. And then around January 15th, a couple weeks into this, the rain comes down in biblical proportions. Absolute downpours to the point that you are having landslides. The San Diego River is flooding a mile over its banks. Houses, farms, livestock, all washed away. There is a story of a man being rescued in a rowboat and saying that the city should pay Charles Hatfield $10,000 to make the rain stop. But to one person in particular, this is great news. Hatfield then puts a call into City Hall saying that he's generally happy with how the experiments have been going so far, but he hasn't really cranked it up yet, and there's real rains coming. And on January 27th, there's another round of rain. And there's so much water that the Lower Otai Dam actually breaks, and there's a breach of the dam and an unleashes a 40-foot wave of water down into the canyon that causes tremendous destruction. And it's deadly, too. So there are estimates that between 20 and 50 people die in what people around San Diego start calling Hatfield's Flood. That is when the death threats start to roll in. Some reports say angry townspeople headed out for Hatfield's Tower looking for blood. Hatfield gets the hell out of Dodge and lays low. He has a friend sort of put it out in the newspaper that Charles Hatfield is an excellent marksman, knows how to handle a gun in case anyone thinks that they're going to try to take a shot at him. Eventually, the water and the mob settle down. And Hatfield reemerges because he did what he promised to do. And it was time for the San Diego City Council to pay up. And the city says, no way. In fact, their lawyer says to Hatfield, you know, you never actually had a written contract with us. It was a verbal agreement only. And so the only way you're getting your money is if you assume liability for all the millions of dollars in damages. So there's an argument between the city and Hatfield whether the rain was an act of God or whether it was an act of Hatfield. And Hatfield goes ahead and he will sue the city. And this litigation carries on until 1938. So over two decades worth of litigation. And it peters out and the city of San Diego doesn't pay Hatfield a single dime. You might think that Charles Hatfield's San Diego escapades would have ruined his reputation. But as it turns out, the term Hatfield's Flood was 
great advertising. He won more contracts in California and even some further afield in Canada and Honduras. In fact, Hatfield's rainmaking business didn't dry up until the Great Depression, when at that time there was just less money to go around, but also better technology. The construction of a lot of water conservation projects, dams as part of Franklin Roosevelt's New Deal program. You have advances in irrigation. Uh, the country is getting a lot better in terms of water storage and water use. And so there's less of a demand for a rainmaker such as uh, Charles Hatfield at that time. Hatfield goes back to the world of sewing machine sales. His wife leaves him, but he does pop up occasionally. In 1956, when he is in his 80s, he shows up at the premiere of a movie called The Rainmaker, very loosely based on his life. Burt Lancaster plays the starring role. $100 in advance. Uh-huh. And inside of 24 hours, you will have rain. You mean it? Real rain? Rain is rain, brother. It comes from the sky. It's a wet- Hatfield died shortly afterward and became this strange footnote in Southern California history. Water. I recommend it. It's hard to know what to make of Charles Hatfield. Did he believe in the science of what he was doing, that his potent chemical potions would actually create rain? Or was he a clever crook, a con man even? There's undeniably some sort of uniquely American idea of blending science with showmanship that is going into this. There's a bit of P.T. Barnum in him. But at the same time, Chris says Hadfield and the other rainmakers were self-taught meteorologists. They observed and tracked weather patterns, and that alone went a long way. So even before we knew things such as El Nino or La Nina, Charles Hatfield would have knowledge that there were cycles in rain in Southern California. So when he was first sort of gained his notoriety in 1905, where he promised those 18 inches of rain in Los Angeles, it's not a coincidence that he goes to San Diego almost 11 years later because he knew that there were these patterns of rain that seemed to come in 11-year cycles. It's a bit mind-blowing to think that Charles Hatfield was maybe just tracking the cycle of El Nino. So a little bit of knowledge, a little bit of showmanship, a little bit of a gamble. Sure, it's a bit questionable that San Diego hired this guy. Then again, Chris points out that rainmaking is having a kind of moment today. Cloud seeding, or releasing silver iodide into the atmosphere to try and create rain and snow, is seen as a potential way to fight climate change. I think when you look back on this story and you look back on all these similar types of rainmaking experiments, you just see this innate human desire to try to control the weather. And I think the question going forward is, are we trying to control what is ultimately uncontrollable? And Who knows? You know, that's the great unknown when you're going forward. Today, if you visit Lake Morena in San Diego County, you will find a really nice recreational reservoir open for camping and fishing. Hadfield fans can find a small plaque telling his story on the site. The lower Otai Reservoir, home to the dam that burst during Hatfield's flood, is also open to the public for recreation. 
One last thing, if you are interested in cloud seeding or maybe you listen to this episode thinking, I feel like they're not giving enough credence to the possibility that his chemicals might have worked, you may want to check out our old episode called the Linmith Flood Memorial Hall, where we explore cloud seeding on a bigger scale. Uh, check it out. It is a good one. Special thanks to Christopher Klein for telling us this wonderful, wild story of Charles Hatfield. Our podcast is a co-production of Atlas Obscura and Witness Docs. This episode was produced by Amanda McGowan. The production team includes Doug Baldinger, Chris Naka, Camille Stanley, Willis Ryder Arnold, Sarah Wyman, Manolo Morales, Baudelaire Seuss, Gianna Palmer, Tracy Samuelson, John Delore, Gabby Gladney. Our technical director is Casey Holford. This episode was mixed by Luce Fleming. If you want to learn more, be sure to visit atlasobscura.com. There's a link in our episode description. And our theme and end credit music is by Sam Tyndall. I'm Dylan Thuris, wishing you all the wonder in the world. I will see you next time. Witness Docs from Stitcher. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory-smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave. Start clean with Clorox, because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Hey, listen. Remember how you told me to toss those takeout containers before we left for vacation? And you were like, I'm serious. If that leaks over the counter, it'll be a slimy abomination by the time I get back. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Don't worry about it. I won't forget. <laughs> well. Ooh, yeah. That happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Rinse after use if in contact with food surface.